0: Let us pray. So our great God, we do pray that you would help us to adore you with all of our being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. We may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you here this morning. I invite you to take out your Bibles or devices with Scripture on them and turn to St. Matthew's Gospel, the 28th chapter, looking at verses 18 through 20 this morning. And as you're turning there, I just want to say a thank you to Mother Valerie because that is a marathon Old Testament reading. Um, I think other than maybe the Passion Narrative that we read on Palm Sunday, that may be the longest um, Scripture reading in all of the lectionary. And I saw that and thought, whew, Margie house had it first, service. So I thought, whoever's got this, they've got a long, long reading, so thank you very much. Again, looking at our gospel reading today, and today is Trinity Sunday, um, the Sunday after Pentecost is always designated as Trinity Sunday, and it's the last time you'll see us wearing white and see white pyramids for quite some time, we've only got three more times that we wear white between now and Advent, Transfiguration Sunday in August, Um, All Saints Sunday, which is the first Sunday in November, and then Christ the King, which is the last Sunday of the church year before Advent starts. Other than that, it's green from now on. So, um, Looking today at this reading that we know is the Great Commission, and I'm not doing a deep theological dive on the Holy Trinity today. This year I decided and felt led to really talk about Jesus' words here of the Great Commission and going forth and baptizing and making disciples in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The events that we encountered here in Matthew 28 take place after the resurrection. And these are really some of Jesus' final instructions to, to his disciples before he ascends back to heaven. And that makes what Jesus says here incredibly important. Uh, think about it this way. If a A military commander gives instructions to troops. The last words that commander speaks before the troops go into battle are incredibly important. And what Jesus says here to his disciples before he sends them out into the world and he ascends back to the Father have incredible significance. So I want to look at what Jesus said, and I'm really talking here today about what I call the three alls, A-L-L-S, of the Great Commission. And the first one we see is in verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. So what is Jesus saying here? All authority. We understand that Jesus, as the resurrected Lord of glory, is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. But the truth that all authority in heaven and on earth is given to him sets much more than just that, as profound as that truth is. That Jesus has given all authority also speaks of his kingship. That he is ruler. That he is king of God's kingdom. And as king of God's kingdom, he is ruler of all. And that includes you and me, especially if we're disciples of Jesus. Jesus we think about the ramifications of that if we are disciples of Jesus then our allegiance must be first and always to him to Christ and to his kingdom and our lives need to be ordered in a way that are different than the world that stand in contradistinction to the world and demonstrate the reality both in what we say and in how we live our lives that our ultimate citizenship is in Christ's eternal kingdom. I'm going to be beginning a new sermon series next week that will focus on uh, the Sermon on the Mount and specifically the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And we will, that series will take us through the rest of the summer. But the Sermon on the Mount really ties in with this idea of how we live as people of God's kingdom here on earth, right here, right now. And I've, I know that theme has emerged frequently in recent sermons, but it's so important that we understand this. And that we understand that we have to reflect our ultimate citizenship and our allegiance to Christ and his kingdom above all else. Cardinal Robert Sarah, who's an African Roman Catholic cardinal, has a wonderful book that he wrote several years ago called God or Nothing. And I highly recommend it. But in it, he quotes a Trappist monk in France by the name of Father Jerome, who says this, Because the man of the world wants to change his place, his destiny, his idols, and to change them permanently, the friend of God must remain and stay in the place where God has put him. Indeed, between the friends of God and the world, there is an antithesis and a rupture. What the one chooses, the other rejects. And listen to this. Otherwise, there would no longer be two camps, but only one, the world. We as God's people as friends of God, as disciples of Jesus Christ, must live our lives in a way that stands in stark contrast to the world we're called to be different. Now, to be clear, different doesn't mean weird. There are some folks in the history of the church that, that have equated weird with being different and set apart. That's not what it means, but we are to reflect Christ and his character and the priorities of God's kingdom and Christ's holiness. And in doing that, we will be very different than the world around us and we will be that salt and light God has called us to be. Jesus has been given all authority and we are under and live in that authority as his disciples. Second, he says, all nations. Jesus' authority as king of heaven and ruler of all includes the authority to, and to command those who are his to go. And this is exactly what Jesus does here. And this ties very closely to Pentecost, which we observed last Sunday, and I will have a little bit more to say about that a little further along in this sermon. But to those first disciples and to Jesus' disciples throughout all of time, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The idea here is, so as you go, as you are going, make disciples of every people group, because the idea here is not so much of geographic nations or political entities as much as it is of every people group, every ethne, every ethnic group, every tribe to the ends of the earth. It makes me think of the context God has placed us in as All Saints Church because we are in a fairly unique situation here in Dale City and Woodbridge in Northern Virginia where God has literally brought the nations of the world to our doorstep. When you look at the demographics of this area and this community, it is an amazing thing how we have people from all over the world, from the far corners of the earth and that doesn't mean I believe in a flat world again just usually speaking figuratively but from the far corners of the earth he has brought them right here to us. But the reality is we cannot obey this command to make disciples of all nations without going. Going means action, intentional and obedient steps on our part. Our choice in going is to willingly obey our king. And this grows out of the work of the Holy Spirit in us as believers as we grow in our love and our passion for Jesus Christ our Lord. It does not say make disciples only of those in my neighborhood, my state, or my nation. Obviously, that is included, but it says make disciples of all nations, of all people groups. I know I've touched on this at times before, but you will hear people at times say, well, I believe that missions begins at home. I challenge you to support that scripturally. Yes, we do take the gospel to those right here at home in our community. But it is not an either or, it is a both and. We are to take the gospel here in our community. We are to take the gospel to people across our nation. And we are to take the gospel, we would be a part of taking the gospel to someone living in the most remote tribe of New Guinea and everywhere in between. This is Jesus' commands. If we are his disciples, we have no choice but to willingly obey because this is God's mandate to us. As we ponder this, I think it also poses some questions for us, questions we must ask ourselves: if we fully and wholeheartedly believe the truth of the gospel. Do we really believe that Jesus is God's only way of salvation? That's what Jesus said, John 14, 16. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life No one comes to the Father except through me. Do we believe that it is a living relationship with Jesus Christ and that alone which brings freedom, peace, joy, fulfillment, and hope? Do we believe that Jesus is the only one who can truly break the power of bondage and sin in a person's life? Do we really believe that not accepting Christ as Savior Means eternal punishment and separation from God in a real place called hell. What we believe about missions, what we believe about going and proclaiming the message of Christ around the world, really gives the true answer to each of these questions. Jesus commands us to go. However, we should never simply obey him out of a sense of duty or guilt or obligation. If we are Christ's, if we are Christ's disciples, we obey him because of love. First and foremost, love for God, love for Christ, the one who loved us and gave himself and died for us, the one who loved us first. And secondly, because of our love for Christ, we will go because through loving Christ, he has implanted in us and stirred and created in our hearts a love for people. And we are filled with the heart and the eyes of Jesus Christ for the lost and the needy and the broken all around us and across the world. Our hearts break for those who have never heard the gospel. About a year and a half ago, Christianity Today um, published some statistics that I think are very informative more than 5,000 people groups in the world are still without an indigenous church. And I want to define what indigenous is in, in a moment. According to recent data, nearly 2 million people, more than a quarter of the world's pop- great population, live in a group without a self-sustaining gospel movement. Interestingly, the 10 largest unreached people groups are located in Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, Turkey, and Algeria. Two billion people now, what do we mean by an indigenous Christian church? that doesn't mean that in some not all but in some of these areas, there may not have been missionaries in the gospel proclaimed or presented to this point, but by indigenous, what we 're talking about is the idea that the church has taken root and that you have a a church made up of people from that region that and the three selves of indigenous churches are They are self-propagating, meaning they're at the place where they share the gospel and proclaim the gospel for themselves. They're self-governing, meaning they have indigenous or people from their community who are now church leaders, and they are self-supporting. And the beauty of indigenous church principles is that even when missionaries have to leave, the church in that community continues on, the gospel continues to be proclaimed, and the gospel continues to spread. China is a perfect example of this. Pretty much all missionaries were put out of China between 1948 and 1950, the absolute latest. And yet what has happened? Because the gospel had been proclaimed, and because the local church and the church or in that nation had been raised up, the gospel has continued to spread and spread and spread there. What what Reverend Jessica Hughes does in Uganda is raising up indigenous church leaders, training leaders from Uganda and Kenya and East Africa to to lead the church, to proclaim the gospel, and to build churches in their land. All nations, all peoples. The final all is found in verse 20. Look at the second half of verse 20 with me. I have, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Literally, I am with you all the days until the end of the age. Certainly we know that God is present with us, but the implication here is stronger and much more comprehensive than that. Jesus is not just present until the end of the age and being with us Jesus empowers us and equips us as his followers to carry out the work he commands of us and of all believers, of all true disciples of Jesus Christ. The work of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And We don't accomplish this simply through our own efforts. We talked about this last week. If we try to do that, we will fall flat on our face or have some hollow shell that may superficially appear to be the church or the gospel of Jesus, but not the real deal through and through. We don't have to accomplish this through our efforts. This is a God-given mandate, which will only be accomplished, can only be accomplished by God's power. It's the purpose of what we talked about last Sunday with the fullness of the Spirit on Pentecost Acts 1.8, which I've quoted three Sundays in a row now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This gives us insight and understanding of how God is accomplishing his will. How he is accomplishing his will through us and through other believers. But it only happens as we surrender, as we come under Christ's kingship, under the authority of the kingdom of God, first and foremost, as we align ourselves with God's purposes and open ourselves to God's means to accomplish his purposes. To be clear, as I talked about even last Sunday, we cannot call ourselves, no matter what we may say and what experience we may claim, we cannot call ourselves spirit-filled Christians and not have a heart for missions. That is something that is irreconcilable because the purpose of Pentecost is the proclamation of the gospel to the ends of the earth in the power of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. It's not a bless me club. It's about being empowered to accomplish God's will through God's purposes or accomplish God's will and God's purposes through God's provision and his means. We, brothers and sisters, must be dependent on the power and the work of the Holy Spirit of God himself. I am with you always, all the days of this age, even as you go and as you go, making disciples of all peoples. In Romans 10, verses 12 through 15, St. Paul writes these words. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So, how do we participate? How do we partner? How do we engage in fulfilling the Great Commission as faithful, spirit empowered disciples of Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, by going ourselves. And that may mean for some of us short-term trips. For others, there may be people in this congregation, there may be young people in this congregation who God is going to call, just as he has done in the past in this church, to go somewhere across the world to proclaim the gospel and invest your life in sharing the gospel and living out the gospel in a foreign land. Let's not write that off or minimize that as a possibility of people right here in this church. We also participate by praying. Praying specifically and strategically for the lost. Praying for closed lands to be opened. Praying for barriers to the gospel, both physical and spiritual, to be torn down in Jesus' name. By praying specifically for missionaries. Praying specifically for missionaries that we support as a church. And upholding them in prayer and partnering with them in that way. We also participate by partnering in other ways that God may show us, and that includes giving. And I want to challenge us as a church. I want to challenge each of you not as part we we tithe on missions as part of what we do as a church. But I want to challenge all of us Above and beyond your tithe, what you pledge each year, that 10% that scripture says is the Lord's, above and beyond that, to consider designating additional money set aside specifically for missions. And you can do that through All Saints Church and we will make sure that it gets to missionaries. We support it and it will give us the opportunity and the possibility of expanding missionaries that we support on a regular basis. Or you may find other missions organizations that God leads you to, to give to. But above and beyond, allow God to stretch us as we participate in seeing the great commission commission fulfilled here in our community and around the world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that in your love you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to live and die and be resurrected as the Lord of life and the King of glory so that we could be citizens of your eternal kingdom. And even as Christ returned to his rightful place for all of eternity at your right hand, you sent your Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, who has been poured out on your people. Lord, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, equip us and empower us to do the work you have called us to do. May we be set apart as citizens of your kingdom to be that salt and light you've called and are creating us to be. And Father, give us a heart for the nations, for the people of this world, our community right here in Woodbridge and Dale City and Prince William County, all across our nation and to the ends of the earth. And Lord, make us faithful disciples and living out the reality of the Great Commission with all that you have entrusted to us until Christ returns. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.